Welcome, my friends. Today, we embark on our eighth episode of season two concerning biblical doctrine. And we will again tackle a set of beliefs helping us to construct the whole of our Christian worldview. Now, this doctrine infuses the sinful believer with a sense of peace in the face of an infinitely loving and just God. Now, as our God is infinitely just, his perfect and holy judgment will fall upon sin and all his sin. This is the judgment, physical and spiritual death. As a result, an atonement must be made. There must be some compensation. A perfect sinless sacrifice must be made to become justified before our holy God. A sacrifice we as sinners are incapable of making on, on our own. So God wrapped himself in flesh as the Christ Jesus entered the world and atoned for our sin. So we are saved only by God's grace and only through our faith in Christ Jesus and all to the glory of God alone. This is what we call the doctrine of salvation. It's all him. The apostle Paul emphasized this. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm Pastor Wilkinson, and you're listening to Brand of Man, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through the agencies of man, but by the grace of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, creator of all things, we praise your name as pure and holy. We give thanks to you for all your blessings in our lives. We give thanks to you for the gift of our faith through which we can come to you and believe in the work of the Christ Jesus. We give thanks for this salvation as we were dead in our sin. All praise and glory to you in all things. Amen. So in the context of the Christian worldview, the filter that we use to view the world, what is salvation? Well, simply put, salvation is taking the work of Christ and applying it to those who believe in him. Jesus said so in his own words. He said, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. John chapter 6, verse 40. Now, it's important to note here that believing in Christ means we are to believe in the whole of Christ all the work of Christ, all the ministry of Christ, everything of Christ, and not just the parts we like, the gut check. Now, there's also one very important part of the doctrine of salvation that we, we must emphasize at this point in the conversation. The Holy Son of God, Christ Jesus, is the only way anyone can gain salvation and eternal life in the presence of God. It's the only way. It's non-negotiable. Again, from Jesus, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John chapter 14, verse 6, and from the apostle Peter concerning Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Now, there are, of course, many more verses attesting to this biblical truth. But the point is this, the Christian worldview of salvation is not all-inclusive. 
It is exclusive. The Christian doctrine of salvation emphasizes Jesus is the only way. This position has invoked controversy over thousands of years. I get it. Nevertheless, it is a biblical truth. And the position upon which every Christian must, must stand. If we compromise this, all is lost. From the Apostle Paul, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. Now, to fully appreciate the doctrine of salvation, we must fully understand what it is we are saved from. Well, the standard answer to that kind of a question, even among many true believers, is, well, we're saved from our sin. Not so much as we can continue to sin in this world, even after we become saved through the work of Christ. So it is not our sin we are saved from, but rather the judgment sin has brought upon us. It's caused it. And the Bible describes this judgment as simply the wrath of God. The Apostle Paul emphasized this. He said, much more than having now been justified by his blood, Christ, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. God's wrath is real, folks, brought about by our sinfulness, and his wrath demands punishment. He is infinitely just and holy. However, as God is infinitely holy and just, he is equally loving and merciful. As a result, he has provided salvation to all who believe by his grace alone using our faith alone in Christ alone, all to his glory alone again. It is all about God. So that is the meat of the doctrine of salvation. We are saved by God through the gift of faith that he has bestowed upon us. Faith as believing in the person and work of the Christ Jesus, and for no other reason than for his glory. Now, let us drill down into Scripture a little bit to see what the Bible says about how God provides this gift of faith, because we're saved by His grace through faith that He gave us. Now, first, let us have full clarity here in the biblical truth that faith comes only from God, only. For by grace, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8, faith is a gift from God. He didn't earn it. He gave it. So, with this understanding, there is one point of Scripture that really stands out. Matter of fact, it's all over the New Testament. And this is the biblical truth of predestination. Now, this term is often used interchangeably with foreordain or even election. But out of all the 30-plus verses associated with the term predestination, it always indicates that God is actively choosing some people to fail. Here's an example from the Apostle Paul. As we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these who he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans 
chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. This is a difficult concept for some Christians, as they have a deep-rooted desire to captain their own ship. We all want to choose our own destiny. I get that. But we are completely, utterly unable to come to faith in Christ without the call from God. Why? We are dead in our sin. We're not sick in our sin, not wounded in our sin, but dead in our sin. Folks, once we're dead, we're dead. The only way out of being dead is to be resurrected. And to my knowledge, no human has ever resurrected themselves. Don't say Jesus, because even the human, fully human nature of Jesus was dead in that tomb. And he was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit from God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. So we are dead in our sins according to our sinful nature. Jesus, of course, was not dead in sin. We are. This is from the Apostle Paul. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus would emphasize the same point to Nicodemus, that he could not even so much as see the kingdom of heaven, let alone enter it, unless he was regenerated, born again from God, from the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, being Nicodemus, Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we are incapable of regeneration in the flesh. So the most critical part of the doctrine of salvation and the core of the Christian worldview is that salvation comes from God alone in accordance with his purpose alone. The Apostle Paul emphasized this point also, also with the example of God's work in the lives of two twins, Jacob and Esau, prior to them being born. You find that, that whole narrative in Genesis 27. But this is from Paul in his epistle to the Romans. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. God decided for no other reason than his own calling and his own purpose. That's Romans chapter 9, verse 11. But why then does God call some to faith, but not all? I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say. He doesn't say because he is God and he doesn't have to answer to us. He simply states many, many times he chooses for his purpose alone. Okay, then why preach? Why spread the gospel? Why live for the cause of Christ if God has already chosen? Two simple reasons here, folks. Two simple reasons in your Christian worldview. One, we do not know who God has chosen. That's number one. So we preach the gospel. We live for the cause of Christ. We let others see him in us because we don't know who God has chosen. And number two, we're commanded to. Remember, this is a calling where we are intentionally drawn to Jesus by the Father. And the means by which he draws those he has chosen is the gospel. He draws those he has chosen through the gospel. Remember, God created the end from the beginning and the means in which to get from one point to the other, and that is the gospel. And we don't know who is chosen, so we preach the gospel because that's how God draws them. Again, from Jesus, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John chapter 6, verse 44. Okay, so after a person has been drawn to Christ, now what? 
we're going through salvation, our Christian worldview. You've been drawn to Christ, now what? Well, it's called sanctification. The Bible speaks to it very, very definitively. In the Greek, it means to separate something apart as holy or to distinguish clean from unclean. In the context of a salvation, sanctification and salvation, we are now set apart to become holy ourselves as God is holy. Not exactly. We're sinners. But that's where we go. That is our object. That is our goal. Rather, we are made holy as God is holy through Christ. That's how we are made holy. That's how we are made just. Make no mistake. This is a process. It's not automatically complete. As Paul writes in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica, he said this, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that as you have received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. We are being set apart. Paul would detail through verse 12 what our sanctification should look like, and I would encourage you to read those verses. But no, God has set us apart for himself. Our sanctification will not be complete, folks not this side of glory. We wait for the return of Christ. Now, there are two questions commonly asked, even among Christians. The first is this, how do I know? How do I know regarding salvation? How do I know I'm saved? Well, we've already looked at the biblical truth. We are saved by God's grace alone. So the assurance, the assurance of our salvation is only something he can provide. We can look for it all we want. We won't find it. He has to provide it. Now, of course, we can quote the definition from Hebrews concerning faith in relation to our salvation. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. Hebrews 11 verses 1 and 2. Actually, the entire Hebrews 11, chapter 11 is labeled the faith chapter. Yet oftentimes Christians look for something more noticeable to provide some assurance of their salvation, but it comes from God. R.C. Sproul, theologian, provided, I think, one of the greatest illustrations ever. And it's appropriate to answer this question. Sproul gave an example of the assurance of salvation in the context of divine love, agape love, a love that man can only obtain by the grace of God, First John. Sproul asked three questions in regard to this to help you determine salvation. He said, do you love Jesus perfectly? Well, the answer among all of us should be no, maybe even an emphatic no way. Well, then he follows up with a second question. He says, do you love Jesus as you should? Again, the answer among all of us should be no, because we're supposed to love him perfectly and we don't. So do you love Jesus perfectly? No. Do you love Jesus as you should? No. Then the final question, do you love Jesus at all? Your answer will either provide assurance or not provide assurance of your salvation. We know from the teaching of Jesus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they have been regenerated from above, born again. We also know that our ability to love God, agape love, comes only from him. Again, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, that love only comes from God. So if you answered yes to the third question, that you do love Jesus in some way, then welcome to the body of Christ, folks. You 
have assurance of your salvation. Because a person who has not been regenerated by God is unable to love him because we are dead in our sin. The second question concerning salvation is, is my salvation secure? In other words, can I lose it? That's a serious question. The short biblical answer is, yes, your salvation is secure. And no, you cannot lose it if you had true saving faith which was outlined in the first question. Do you love Jesus at all? Now, there is no question that true believing Christians will fall. Some will fall right off a cliff into a crocodile-infested river who haven't eaten in a year. That's a far traumatic fall. And there's no greater example of this in our, than our own apostle Peter after the Lord's arrest. Peter's public denial of having ever known him. There's no greater example than that. That is a deep fall. However, Peter was remorseful and repented. And those with true saving faith will do the same through the preservation God has provided for those he has chosen. From the Apostle Paul, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these who he called, he also justified. And these who he justified, he also glorified. Romans 8, verses 29 through 30. But there are also those who never loved God. They speak with eloquence, eloquence even, even so. They act hourly with righteousness. But their words and their hearts were false. They never belonged to God at all. They seemed to. And we don't know their heart, but God does. From the Apostle John, children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really us. For if they had been us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they were never us at all. First John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Folks, losing salvation is a prominent concern for all Christians. Fully understand that. It is not for themselves, often the case, but often for others, they're concerned with the loss of salvations. Because a lot of the time, they're ones we love. Only God knows the heart of man. We do not know the final words or thoughts exchanged between, between God and man moments before death. So we offer prayer and we are patient, knowing God's grace is what saves. And it is always sufficient. And he will accomplish all his good pleasure. Rest assured, the chosen will be preserved. Folks, the doctrine of salvation lies at the top of God's grace towards mankind. It begins with our knowledge that he is absolutely sovereign in all things, including our salvation. As a result, our salvation comes by his grace alone. In addition, God has declared the end from the beginning, and in doing so, has a established means to reach that end, which is salvation through our faith in Christ alone, all in accordance with his will, all in accordance with his purpose all in accordance with his good pleasure and to his glory alone. Thank you for listening. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. It is our pleasure to bring you these biblical truths and to encourage you to subscribe so you will continue to receive them each week. God bless you all. And next week on Brand of Man, we will close out season two with our final episode discussing the theological term eschatology, or better known as the doctrine of final things. <laughs>